Hey everyone, this is Chris Keys for From Your Guitar. Today I'm joined by Christian of L1011. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. One man, two instruments, two necks. Must just <laughs> dive right into it, man. Sure. You have a man of many talents. Maybe we might touch on it, flies helicopters. But uh, you see here, he's playing two instruments. Talk to me about how that started, because you will have, you have said in many other interviews, you're a bass player. That I'm a bass to player. to dabble in guitar. Yeah, I'm a terrible guitar player. <laughs> I really am, I, I'm a bass player, but. Uh, so how did that start? And then talk to us real quick about how the evolution where you came up with the double neck kind of sure. system. Uh, so it all started, uh, I knew I wanted to start a band. That was, in my mind, it was probably gonna sound like L1011, but I didn't know exactly how I was gonna do it. Uh, I got Tim, my drummer, and then I thought we would probably get a third person, maybe a keyboard player or something. And uh, Tim said to me, now this is, this is 20 years ago. He said, have you, have you ever heard of a looping pedal? I said, no. He said, I think you should check that out. That might be cool for this. So I borrowed one from a friend, went to band practice, right out of the gate, we tried it, our eyes lit up. And we thought, oh my God, could we just do this, just the two of us? Because that would be sick. Yeah. And so right out of the gate, we really, really, really wanted it to be a duo. So then I wanted there to be more tonal flavors. Like I knew I was going to use a lot of effects, but I had a guitar at home, so I brought it and I would, you know, I would loop a bass line, unplug the bass, set it down, pick up the guitar, plug the guitar in. So real crude. Super crude. <laughs> plug in the guitar, loop the guitar part, unplug the guitar, set it down, put the bass back on, plug that in, do a high bass part. And it was just, it was just too much. And we were, we tried putting the guitar on a snare stand so I could just walk up and play it and that didn't work. And then I was watching VH1 Classic one night and a, a Genesis video came on. And that guy, I think his name is Mike Rutherford. Yeah, he he yeah, had yeah. a double neck, a guitar based double neck in the video. And he wasn't using it like I do. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, that might, be the trick because then I can just flip a switch instead of going through all that rigmarole. Yeah. So I went on eBay and this actual guitar was there for sale and I got it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's been my main guitar, bass, whatever you want to call it for t 20 years. And before we go any further, it's worth noting because you'll see it in your right rail. Now that you've searched and saw this video, you'll see a bunch of live clips of you guys. You guys don't play, you have no tracks. No tracks. It's Everything's all looped. Tim loops, you loop. We it's, loop, it's, yep. It's a crisscross all day and all night. Yes, exactly. Like, he'll play his electronic drums, they run into my looping pedal, and then back to him and his bass amp. He has a bass amp for the electronic drums. So I'll loop the electronic drums, and then he'll switch over and play acoustic drums on top of it. And we have this, every song is sort of like a math problem to sort out. Um, but it's all looping. We don't have any hidden laptops. It's, it's all live. You know, sometimes people start paying attention to the drums after we've looped an electronic part and they think, oh, well, there's a drum machine back there. Yeah. Like, no, no, he played that. And he's got pedals under his heels too. It's, it's a mess. It's, <laughs> it's hard. And had that, I know that you've, with the new record that's coming out in March, uh, New Year's Eve, that you guys kind of piece things together. But earlier, you guys kind of worked it out how you do live, your records, Yeah, right? our early records, pretty much what you hear on the record is exactly how we do it live. Uh, and we were kind of obsessed with proving to everybody that chip on your shoulders. Because <laughs> people kind of didn't believe us. Uh, and then we, you know, as the years went on, we stopped worrying about that. We would just record the songs the way that they sounded good. Sometimes it would be how we did it live. Other times, you know, uh, the chorus would comes in, and you know, four parts for me come in at once. And I can't do it live, so if we have 
if we're going to play one of those songs live, I have to figure out a way to arrange it differently live, yeah. and that, which is fine. But we're, we're not as obsessed about that anymore because we we're established enough that people know this is what we do. And is there some, uh, like you said, some reverse engineering of how you do it? Maybe some yeah. online looking at old videos of yourself performing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, if we're going to pull out an old song that we haven't played for a while, thank God fans film us from the audience and put it up on YouTube so I can go back years later and, and look and see, how was I doing? Oh, that's right. And then I figured, <laughs> thank God, because there's some songs I really don't know if I could figure out what I was doing, because there's so many effects and stuff. Well, YouTube's a tool, and I use it all the it time. It is. Thank you, YouTube. Stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, you could for pay the me a little more for our videos. <laughs> That'd be cool. But. Well, I've talked enough about other stuff. We need to talk about specifically what's going sure. on here with the guitar, how you use it, and uh, let's just get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah, my pleasure. This is a 1977 Carvin bass and guitar double neck. Um, the, the electronics on it, these are the original pickups and volume tone. This is just a... Uh, coil splitter, so you got single coil or okay. humbucking. This is some kind of a phase canceling switch. I, I, even my guitar repair guy, even the guys at Carvin aren't sure exactly <laughs> what it does. <laughs> I think it's a phase canceling or something. And then this is to pick up selector. And it's the same thing up here for the guitar. Now, do you use those phase switches at all or no? No, I just leave them as they are because okay. I think that's a great tone. Okay. Every once in a while, I'll switch these to get a different guitar tone. But the bass sounds really good like that, so I just leave it. Okay. This switch is the magical kind of switch. If, if I'm here, only the bass is audible. This is muted. Okay. If I switch it here, the guitar is on and this is muted. If I put it in the middle, they're both on. So that's like that little intro I played for you. They're both on, so to speak. Yeah. You can hear them both. So, for example. But if I flip that, there's nothing. And I'm sure at this point, when you do bring out the double neck, you're only using it for songs that require both, both instruments at the same time? Yeah, well, we do have some songs where I don't actually play both at the same time. Well, or is it maybe you're making loops, I guess, with the guitar? Yeah, so sometimes, like, like that bit I just played you, I'm doing both at the same time. Other times, you know, it'll, it'll be the bass, I'll do a bass part, flip it, put some harmonics on, flip it back, do a melody on the bass, something like that. So I'm going back and forth. It's not always both at the same time. Gotcha. And what about for strings and tunings that you're using here? Yeah, I use weird tuning. So these are Ernie Balls. Uh, the guitars are tens. These are this, I think they're called slinkies. This is a short scale bass. So it's, um, I think the low string is 105 and the high, highest string is a 45. Okay. And I, the reason I didn't say E and G is because that's not what they are for me. Yeah. <laughs> so from low to high, this is D. So it's just E tuned down a whole step. Mm -hmm. Then A and D like normal. But the G string, I crank up to A. So it's a whole step up. So it's root fifth, root fifth, which makes for some really great harmonics that you can't get otherwise. Like, like just even, to me, that sounds beautiful. And in standard tuning, you can't get that. Now the 45, is that because it, the tension otherwise will snap? If I go higher, yeah, if I go higher than 45, I could damage the neck or just break the string. Okay. So 45 seems to be about the limit. All right, and then uh, you said just Ernie Ball Slinkies tens on those? And yeah. what about for tuning on the guitar? Tuning on this one, let's see, it's E, A, D, so that's just normal. But Standard. then G string, I crank up to G sharp and then B, E. 
So like in that, that one I was playing you, it's an E major, so I can hit an E here and then these strings open. Oh, okay. Now if that was G, it would be a minor and it wouldn't work for the song. It wouldn't be as pleasing. But I've gotten so, so used to this being G sharp that that's my standard now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you, do you find yourself ever playing like a standard four string bass and not yeah. being able I'm to so navigate? I'm so confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm so used to D-A-D-A. That I sit down with like, okay, all right, this is standard tuning. Here we go. Remember your scales from when you were a kid. <laughs> well, should we move on to the next yeah, instrument? Yeah, sure. All right, so this, this is a 1988 Wall MK1 uh, that I bought used. I bought it from, you know who Tim LaFay is? Yeah. played with Bowie. Yeah, he yeah, plays with everybody. Yeah, and I, it was fun buying it from him because I got to meet him and hang out. He's really cool. He's a giant dude, too. He's, he's like a basketball player. <laughs> and I'm not a giant dude. So I felt like a little kid. But anyway, it's, um, for me, wall basses are the best basses in the world. Um, I've never heard a better sounding bass. I have this one, and then at home I have an MK2, and they're my favorite instruments. As, as much as I love all the basses I have. These things are just, there's nothing else like them. And this is, it's fretless. Uh, it has lines on it, which I used to only buy fret, fretless basses that didn't have lines because I felt like lines were cheating, oh, God. <laughs> which is stupid. But now that I have lines, it's well, kind of nice. Well, do they have fret markers though? The, yeah. The ones that... Uh, yes, yes. So that's Without kinda... fret markers, it would be an attitude disaster because I play chords and I play high notes and stuff. So I need markers. And you can see I actually even augment the markers with um, Sharpie because okay. with our light show sometimes it's a little hard to see and uh, I've played some really bad notes when I couldn't see. <laughs> you just move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah it's like oh that was on purpose man I was doing a flat five. It's esoteric you don't get it. Yeah <laughs> jazz. Well now do you mind plugging this in so we no, can no, hear no. how yeah. you use it because yeah. it is such a, an expressive instrument. Yeah. Oh yeah I see the mm. fret markers now in the, the ink. <laughs> yeah I even have markers on these pots because these are a little different than normal so this is uh, just your main volume and okay. it, it's pulled so if you pull, pop it out it's a little brighter I think they call it pick attack or something mm -hmm. it just makes it a little brighter this is pickup selector and these two they're not actually tones they're filters so I'll get, show you oh. it's almost like having a, a, a filter you know it's pedal like or something almost. yeah And the way I use it, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, do you use the pickup blend rather than like a selector that's hard bridge or neck? Uh, yeah, there are some songs where I'm not all the way on one or the other. Okay. But generally speaking, I'm either all the way on the neck pickup in the middle or all the way on the uh, bridge. All right. But here, let me pull up uh, an example. So this one, uh, this is with the uh, filter knob on about two. So it's. Now that's with an octave up, so without the octave. I don't need a lead guitar player. I mean, it's kind of like Queen's Stone Age. Yeah, it's great. And there's a few songs where I put this on about four. You know, it's a slightly different tone. There's some where I've got the bridge pickup, in fact, oh, I'll give you a, a specific example. We have a new song called Meta Meta yeah. where bridge pickup, filter on four, and then my gov pedal. 
governor pedal. I call it the gov pedal. So it gives it kind of a nasally yeah. aggressive tone, which I really like. I love that the vibe that you guys have in the new record. I, you know, because I'm a big deal. A premier guitar. We get sometimes get to listen to music beforehand. <laughs> you do. And uh, you, yeah, it's a lot more funkier than what people probably yeah. have gotten used to he hearing from you guys. Yeah. And that bass line there kind of shows it. It's like it's it's re you're ready to dance almost. Yeah, that's the it's idea on that one. That's why it's called New Year's Eve. <laughs> Party time. But yeah, how much of that plays into uh, being able to express, be more expressive with the fretless? I know that you have oh, to be really dialed in to make sure you hit the right note without flubbing it, but. It, it's challenging because sometimes there's songs where I'm using this pedal, we'll talk about these pedals later, playing, and then I have to get a loop going with my other foot. So on a fretless, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> like we have a song called Entropy. Well, there's actually a fair amount of that on this bass. So it's fretless bass, both hands working and both feet working. <sighs> you know, sometimes I look at these electronic people who play these huge festivals and just press, press space bar on a computer and I think, man, why am I doing all this work? They got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, no, and I clearly don't. <laughs> anyway, that's the wall. Cool. Should we move on to the next yeah, one? Yeah, sure. Now, as we get onto the next instrument, what, like, Percentages are you using the different instruments it's between the double neck the wall? Oh, and the next one we're about to see yeah, so on this tour um, It's pretty even it's you know, we're probably playing a dozen songs and each one It's probably getting three songs or something like that and you're kind of supporting You know the new music coming out meta, yeah. meta New Year's Eve the records coming out uh, yep. But then you also are touring behind the record that came out in 2020. Yeah, so you got like two big batches of songs Yeah, and that record was a triple record um, guys are being super ambitious. Oh God! And you know we have I think 13 records or something, and a lot of people their their favorite one is our first record. So we want to make sure we play at least a few from that, which, and we enjoy playing those, so it's all good. And that's more the double neck stuff. Okay. So you know you figure <laughs> two or three from the new record, two or three from the last one, two or three from our first one. That's almost the whole set. Yeah. And then there's 10 other records to try to pick a few. I don't know. We just, we You're just, always going to disappoint someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But that's okay. So this is a uh, Aria Pro 2 SB1000. It's and this is pretty new. Um, Looks like it. I got a deal with them, and thank you, Aria. Thank you very much. Um, uh, when I was a teenager, my one of my bass heroes was John Taylor from Duran Duran, and he played one, and so I kind of always wanted one. <laughs> now I have one. So when it, orange wouldn't have been my choice for color. Yeah. I wanted black, but at the time this is all they had, and they said, well we can send you this one now or wait six months we can get you a black one i'm like just send me the orange one we can find some spray paint <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's beautiful though i mean it's neck yeah. through uh it's got two batteries in there for the preamp and th this is actually similar to the wall in that it's a it's a filter knob uh here you can hear it and that one's kind of set like it kind of yeah, looks the, like you, a 355 through. okay yeah and and then volume tone and this is just a passive or active and the light is just to let you know the batteries are working got it and it looks cool yeah now uh can you maybe dial up something that you would play just so we can kind of get see how this one sounds yeah so um so for example there's um heavy distortion parts like once that's looped i add in 
all kind of harmonizes together. Then when we get to the next part, that's where I use the, this filter thing. I go one click from the back and we get uh, this sound. And after I loop that, <laughs> I'll just show you one more thing, that I make what sounds kind of like a keyboard, but it's, it's me. <laughs> so yeah, now, Pro too. Now you mentioned earlier in the interview that you, uh, when you guys were kind of figuring out what you guys were gonna do, you were gonna you you would take off instruments during songs. Are yeah. you still doing that? Or is I am. Oh okay. Wow. <laughs> like that song, for example, I start that song on the wall. Okay. And about halfway through, I switch to this. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. I think there's three or four songs in the set with mid song guitar changes. Have you ever had an onstage injury? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like th what you're all doing is, is it's part of a performance in itself, let alone yeah, actually it doing is. the instrumentation. I've been told it's like watching a tightrope walker, you know, going, almost falling and it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, threw out my back on stage one time and oh. I finished the gig though, they pulled out a chair for me and I finished it, but it was bad. I could, I could barely walk. So yeah, my back is a mess from this. Dang. Yeah, it's worth it. It's for the love of the game. Yeah. Should we move, move on, on to the sixth yeah. string? This is a, uh, a new instrument. This is by Eastwood, and it's called the Hooky Bass 6. So it's, for those who don't know what a bass 6 is, it's different from a regular six-string bass in that you're, it's the regular four strings of a bass, but then two strings higher. So you're extending the range higher. Whereas a regular six-string bass, there's the four strings regular four strings and then there's a string that's lower and a string that's higher you know so it gets you a little closer to maybe to guitar yeah yeah and this is this is a copy of peter hook's Sharegold basses those were made you know in the 80s i think maybe into the early 90s and um, there was only a hundred of them so i happen to have one yeah because of peter hook his son uh we, we've toured with peter hook a bunch and his son <laughs> he told me about one that was on ebay when we were on tour in england and i went and got it so i have one but it's safely at home at the moment, and I'm using this, because this is easier to replace. You can, you can order these online. Um, but this is another kind of weird tuning. I, the load E is down to D, then A, D, A, crank up the A, and then B, E. So for someone who's used to playing a standard tuning, this would be horrible. It'd be boggling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for me, it's great. What do you like about this compared to the, you know, the double neck, and then you got the fretless, and then you got the four string? standard bass yeah what do you like about this that does something for you that the others don't for me it's i love it because it's a bass and the double neck it's cool but there's a guitar on there and i'm not a guitar player yeah. i'm a bass player and i've tried other bass sixes like the fender bass six and the um the schecter robert smith uh bass six which i have and i love i've made a record with it it sounds great but that one is really i think a bass that's made for guitar players like the neck is small and the strings are close together oh. like if you're a guitar player you could actually play that and feel pretty normal but mm -hmm. for me it's hard this one the string spacings are wider so i can get my fingers in here and it feels like a bass and i love it i don't feel like i'm trying to play a guitar like mm. a bass or something 
and then extending the range up. I mean, I'm, I'm insane, so I, I actually use all these notes way up here. In fact, that's, you can see I've got um, Sharpie in here. Oh, yeah. That, that's not part of the actual. I thought that was part of the design, I'm not No, I, I got Sharpie all over here because, again, with our light show, sometimes I'm playing these high notes and I just can't, I can't see which one I'm playing and I've played some bad notes, so I thought, okay, I'm just filling that in so I, didn't, I, know, what I, do, I know what I'm doing. Now, uh, what strings are you using on this in terms of oh. uh, gauges? Yeah, so th these are Ernie Balls too. By the way, thank you, Ernie Balls. They've been very kind to me. Because <laughs> yeah, figuring out strings for some of my instruments is challenging. Uh, but these are Ernie Balls. It's the same gauges uh, as my other bass, the you know 105 to 45 for oh. these four lower ones. And then the next higher ones, I think this, is a, this B string is a 42, and this high E is a 30. All right. I think. Peter Hook, I think, for this high E string, I think he uses a 50. Oof. And I think, if I remember right, he uses two B strings. So he's cranking, I don't know, he breaks strings. Yeah, I bet. And I, breaking strings on stage for me is scary because I'm, I'm doing so much that I just don't have time for that. So I'm just, I'm just going with a 30. Before we dive into the amp and the pedals, I should have asked when we were talking about the fretless, is there a string change in that that you use? Because I know that because oh. you're bending the notes against the fret on this instrument, but like a, a fretless, you know, you're, you're digging into the wood essentially. Yeah, so I used to use round wounds on the fretless uh, to get a brighter tone because for me, I kind of need that with you know, I'm everything my, you're doing. Yeah. But Ernie Ball has, um, I think they're called slinky flat wounds. And they're flat ones, but they're a little brighter than average flat ones, mm -hmm. which works great for me. So that's what I'm using. So I, on my- It's easier uh, in the wood too than I imagine? Easier, exactly. I, my other uh, wall base, which I've had for 20 years, my repair guys had to sand down the fretboard two or three times because there were just ruts in it from Ooh. the round wound strings. Yeah. It's a little scary because there's only so many times you can do yeah, that. Yeah, there's only so much wood. Um, but now, now that Ernie Ball has these kind of brighter flat wounds, uh, I use those and it doesn't dig in the wood. So that's my new string cool. for the fretless. Well, yeah. let's move on to the amp. It's kind of tucked over here behind your lights. Oh, we'll sure. just talk about it real quick is uh, the GK. Yeah, the GK MB800 Fusion, I think. There called. you go. Uh, GK has been very nice to us as well. Thank you for us. GK has been very kind to us. Um, they actually sent us a bunch of cabinets to do sort of a shootout to see what we wanted. And I've always used 410s, always my entire career my life, whatever. Kind of like a base standard. Everyone, base standard. Yeah. And these are 15s and they sounded better. I, I did not expect to be able to get good high end with a 15, but it has a tweeter in there and it's ported and it sounds great. And so what we do is we, um, you know, obviously I play my bass through this one, but that one over there is got electronic drums coming through because we found that when Tim's playing his acoustic drums, the people in the front row are kind of getting blasted with drums, but when he switches to the electronic drums, the sound goes up to the arrays yeah. and is over their heads and all of a sudden it kind of disappears. So we use that bass amp to run the electronic drums through for fill for people in the front. Um, but the GK stuff is fantastic. It's like a hi-fi system in the bass amp. I love it. Cool. And then how do you, is there anything with maybe that you EQ it specially to, to kind of compensate for what you're doing? And yeah. Yeah. It's, sometimes I have sound guys who want to put a DI in front of the amp. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> my EQ is really important because, you know, I'm playing guitar through it and I'm playing and it's, I mean, it's not, you can see my EQ curve there. It's nothing crazy, but 
it took me a while to get everything just how I like it. So the high stuff comes through, but it's not ear piercing and the low stuff is nice and gut punchy, but not too rumbly. The one thing that sticks out to me as a guitar player that knows very little about bass is uh, the treble's kind of spiked. I imagine that's for more yeah, of the guitar stuff. It is, and for the higher, um, the keyboardy kind of stuff that uh, like I, I just showed you, um, if I don't have it kind of bright, that stuff gets a little muddy. Got to cut through. Yeah. Well, I assumed we were going to have a bunch of pedal boards that we're going to like rotate around, but <laughs> you kind of have it all pretty concise. Yeah, what this you do. is this is pretty tight. So walk us through kind of what you got here and how you use it. Yeah, sure. So um, let me take this off. So I used to have, um, I think it, when this was the biggest it ever was, I think I had three boards. Um, and there was a lot of tap dancing, a lot of bending over and adjusting things, making a loop, bending over, adjusting things, making a loop. You know, I got a bad back. So <laughs> uh, Bob Bradshaw built me this controller. It's a MIDI controller. And um, it's made my life way easier because what happens is, is I'll hit a button here and a bunch of stuff changes over here. So I program it for each part of each song. Oh, right. And it's numbered. So that, like, for example, I just hit number one. That's the first part of this particular song. And I go to number two, boom, a bunch of stuff changes over here. So just with one pedal click, I, I'm essentially clicking with four pedals, let's yeah. say. Um, and then, there, but it's not affecting the looping at all. The looping isn't involved with MIDI. So I have to do the looping over here. And then I have a, a few, let's say, I guess three pedals. Um, the governor, this little boost pedal, and the Super Ego by Electro Harmonics that are not affected by this. So I just have to do those manually. Oh, all right. Or, and the tuner too. My signal chain is, um, you know, starts at the tuner. And then it runs, I think, um, to the Super Ego, the Line 6 M9, which has been really helpful for me because there's just so many effects in I'm there. I'm sure, cut down a lot of pedals. Yeah. And there's, there's some great stuff in there that I would have never known I wanted until I had it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Uh, and now I can't, there's some, a lot of songs I can't play without it. Uh, so anyway, um, M9 to the Strymon timeline. And then I think, I think next is the first boomerang looping pedal, then the whammy pedal. Yeah, I was okay, so, so why so, is that? Okay, so I can build up a loop, say there's four parts in a, in a looper, so say it's the verse of a song, then I can hit the whammy pedal and, and take it, the entire thing down a second, let's say, or a third. Oh, so, that, so I'm oh. changing the key of the song with the whammy pedal. Nice. And then we go from there, actually I think this, Governor distortion and this um, boost pedal are ahead of that. Um, but anyway, so then uh, the last pedal is the second boomerang looper. So that's because if I want to do crazy stuff with the whammy pedal, it'll just record that or loop that, but not change the entire. Yeah, because there's definitely songs where you're using, I guess that's where I hear it, and that you in multiple pitch shifting happening and I'm yeah. like how's that happening but you're looping it and then you have that routing and kind of almost manipulating everything that happened before it yeah exactly okay yeah and that's it um now why the timeline versus you know I don't want to you know slight the line six delays that are in there because they're heralded oh. for the dl4 but why the timeline because um one because it's uh midi controlled uh, well the m9 is midi controlled too but 
the main thing, there's just sounds in there that I, I can't get with the M9 and vice versa, by mm. the way. But um, there's some songs where my delay needs to be super, super accurate because I'm doing like dotted eighth notes or something. And with the Strymon, you can dial in the milliseconds. Uh, Whereas with the uh, M9, you're just kind of ballparking it, hoping you get close. <laughs> <laughs> so the accuracy of the Strymon is really a winning uh, part of why I want that pedal. And then just the sounds. There's sounds in there that I've never heard anywhere else that are, I mean, some of them are probably emulating old lexicons or something, but it just sounds so good. And what do you use the Super Ego for? Because that kind of has a uh, multifunction use too. Yeah, so the, what I use it for is something I've never heard anybody else use it in this way. I mean, maybe somebody has, but I'll, I'll demonstrate yeah, it for Yeah, as I say, you. with that kind of uh, prelude, I feel like we need <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it. It's uh, probably better to show than to tell. Um, yeah, the, um, that Super Ego really kind of changed my life, not to be too dramatic. I use it, I, the last couple of records, I probably used it a little too much because it was so exciting. <laughs> but, okay, so the way I have it set here, there's different settings on here, but the way I have it set is, if you press down, I'm muted, right? Mm -hmm. So if I hit a note and let my foot off and then let it press it down again, it's gonna sustain that note, so. Okay, now it's just gonna hold that. Now, just so you can hear me. While that's sustaining, I can play a new note. You won't hear it, but if I let my foot off and put it down again, it's gonna bend to that new note, okay? Ooh, so yeah, do that. Here's the first one. Here's the second note. You can't hear it, right? But here we go. It's incredible. It's whales, whales made it. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> I love that so much, and I've never heard somebody use it on a record, I don't think. In the comments, if you know someone who's done that, please. When tell you're me. done making fun of me, tell us about Christian here. <laughs> now, I, could you show us real quick now that you get the intro back? Yeah. How you do the whammy into the looper and then? Uh, oh, sure. Just because I think that's something I've never seen before. Okay, so um, let's say I just have a simple bass line, right? Like, yeah, let me unplug something real quick. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no, I love being put on the spot. Okay, so let's say I have a bass line. Uh, Okay, and then I put just something slim, simple. Right. Now that's only on this looper because it's in front of the whammy. Mm -hmm. This looper, if I do something. I could record a whammy part on top of that. Yeah. See, I feel like that's something you might use in "You Are Enough," like something where yes. you, yeah, yes, you're exactly. double dump, double whammy in. Yeah, I can uh, I can show you that if you want. Uh, thanks for knowing our song names. Now, so, as you get this set up, yeah, have you always had the two boomerangs with the whammy? in the middle? Or is that something that's kind of evolved? It hasn't always been boomerangs. I started with uh, the Boss RC20s. They weren't quite accurate enough. They're, they take just, it's probably milliseconds to get the loop going. So I found myself having to play ahead a little bit. 
And then I went, I think the next one was the Digitech Jam Man. Those were super accurate, but they don't last on the road. They just start to fall apart, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then I think Boomerang was the, the one I found. I mean, I tried a bunch. I, I, to be honest, even got some for free and didn't use them because they just weren't good enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so You Are Enough is... I'll show you. So I start You Are Enough looping. Now that that's going, I can go on top of it. And I keep adding stuff onto it, so. Right on. Christian, uh, I've definitely taken enough of your time. I oh. appreciate you yeah, so fun. much. Thank you right, uh, cool. for everything. Congrats on the last record in 2020, Tatuology. Tautology. Tautology, because yeah. if I could speak. And the new one that's coming out, New Year's Eve, which I can actually say. So New Year's yeah. Eve, March 4th. They're on tour a bunch this year. So guys, check them out. There's a lot more to see with these guys. Uh, accuracy is key, except when he drops the pick. <laughs> Everyone, have a good one. Stay safe. Keep rocking.